Today, markets play chicken with all-time highs as risks rise. Hello again, it's Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Welcome to this post covering finance and property news. And this is our weekly market update. Well, investors hate surprises, and we got many this week to the point where I begin to wonder whether markets are fundamentally broken as they're driven higher yet by good results from just some of the Magnificent Seven, despite the shock revelation of mounting losses from commercial property by little-known banks in both New York and Tokyo. And then the US jobs numbers came in so hot as to lift bond yields, while central bankers this week played a cautious hand, suggesting that they'll need to see more evidence before they start cutting rates, which of course is against market expectations. Now let's start with commercial property. The problems, particularly in the office sector, are well known. It's a combination of remote working and aging buildings that have pushed up vacancy rates and pushed down valuations. In fact, office property values in the US fell by perhaps more than 20% last year. That's a problem for landlords that must refinance loans against commercial property at around 2.2 trillion US dollars of loans from the US and European commercial real estate sectors. And they're going to come due between now and 2025. One US property billionaire told a conference this week that previously the US property sector had been worth about 3 trillion US dollars, but now it's worth just 1.8 trillion. There's a $1.2 trillion loss spread somewhere, and nobody knows exactly where it is, he said. Well, at least some of it is in America's regional banks, where commercial property loans account for about 30% of all loans, compared with 6.5% at some of the large US banks. Regional US lender New York Community Bank Corp and Japan's Ozora revealed problems with those commercial property loans, and dropped their share prices significantly. That underscored a critical question. Is this the start of something bigger? Well, Morgan Stanley strategist Mike Wilson said that even if banks holding this debt can cope with the losses, it does crimp their ability to lend to other businesses. But if there's one broader lesson from the sudden re-emergence of commercial property fears, then it's this. We still haven't cleared out the excesses that built up in the era of very low interest rates and were of course compounded during the pandemic. The world is now so indebted and so financialized that these cycles aren't allowed to occur. When households and corporates become hooked on leverage, we can't let bubbles pop because they're the essence of our economies. And this is, of course, why investors are cheering the prospect of rate cuts with such gusto and why the fear of higher for longer interest rates, which the Federal Reserve reminded the world on Thursday by killing off hopes of a March cut, are still real. The market has been horribly wrong about the near-term trajectory of Fed policy. And this is another instance where that's the case, said Kevin Gordon, senior investment strategist at Charles Schwab. Now, robust US economic data is also confronting investors with a critical question. Can strong growth keep driving stocks higher, even if the Federal Reserve delivers less monetary policy easing than the markets had hoped, as the US economy added far more jobs than expected in January, with non-farm payrolls 
in the world's largest economy, rising by a massive 353,000 last month, much more than the 187,000 expected. Now, the update did include adjustments to the population controls used in the household survey data, which means the participation and unemployment figures can't be directly compared to the previous month. January job figures were strong, possibly too strong, said Russell Price, chief economist at Ameriprise, on a Friday note. There were multiple signs of strong wage growth, which could filter through to resurgent inflation pressures if maintained. The strong hiring activity comes as the number of people that enter the job market, or the participation rate, unexpectedly fell, albeit slightly pushing average hourly earnings or wage growth to 0.6% from 0.4% a month earlier, confounding economists' expectations for a decline of 0.3%. And amid other frequently asked questions, Friday's job report noted unusually severe weather is more likely to have an impact on average weekly hours than on employment. And the impact of severe weather on hours estimates typically but not always results in a reduction in average weekly hours. If so, expect the effect to be reversed in the February numbers. But even so, the disruption still delays confirmation of a further moderation in wages growth that could give central bankers more confidence that it's time to start easing monetary policy higher for longer. The stronger wage growth that threatens to boost inflation does muddy the outlook for rate cuts, with some economists now suggesting that the first rate cut could be delayed significantly. Futures paired bets for a rate cut in March to just 20% from 36% just before the report and slashed the likelihood of a 25 or 50 basis point cut in May to 61% from 91%. The dollar index, that's a measure of the US currency against six others, jumped to a seven-week high. It rose 0.83%, while the euro was down 0.74% and the yen weakened 1.24% to 148.40. The two-year Treasury yield, which reflects interest rate expectations, rose to 4.372% and the 10-year yield rose to 4.026%. The two-year's rise was the biggest one-day gain since May 2023 and the 10-year since July 2023. When you go through all the specific details, there were really very few, if any, pockets of weakness. It was just a very, very strong report, and that by itself would suggest that a recession certainly isn't imminent, one analyst said. After the jobs report, money markets projected the Fed would lower its target rate, currently in the range of 5.25 to 5.5%, by 123 basis points by the end of the year, down from 140 basis points just before the data was released. And in the markets, the S&P 500 closed today at 4,958, up 1.07%. The Dow was up 0.35% to 38,654. And the Nasdaq was up 1.74% to 15,628. Some would say that these highs are unsustainable, but we will, I guess, see. Looking at specific names, Meta Platforms rose 20% as the tech giant declared its first dividend and rolled out an additional $50 billion in share buybacks as the quarterly profit at the Facebook parent tripled from a year earlier. The move to return the chunk of capital shareholders could help expand Meta's base to dividend hunters, UBS said in a note. The step up in capital returns does open up Meta shares for incremental demand from dividend income flows. Amazon 
jumped more than 7% after the fourth quarter results topped Wall Street estimates as cloud growth and strength in e-commerce bolstered performance. And Apple, meanwhile, cut losses to end the day just above the flat line after iPhone fails fell short of Wall Street estimates following weaknesses in China. China represents around 20% of iPhone sales, and there it's struggling to battle Huawei and geopolitical headwinds near term, Wedbush said. Though they did remain adamant that the company is optimistic that users of older iPhone models in China will upgrade their phones eventually. Intel Corporation, though, fell more than 2% after the chipmaker reportedly delayed construction of its semiconductor factory in Ohio amid market challenges and a lower-than-expected rollout of government grants to help build chip plants. Energy stocks were pushed higher, though, by the rise at Exxon and Chevron after the duo reported better-than-expected quarterly results. Actually, all prices fell by up 2% after the US jobs data reduced the odds of imminent rate cuts. And that could dampen crude demand, of course, if restrictive monetary policy curbs the economy. Both contracts saw weekly losses of around 6% as an end to the war between Israel and Iran-backed Hamas would lessen the tensions in the Middle East, easing concerns about supply disruption through this oil-rich region. US crude futures settled down at $72.37 a barrel, while Brent settled at $77.44. Both benchmarks posted losses of more than 7% on the week. Gold prices slipped as the dollar jumped, making bullion more expensive for overseas buyers and higher yields reducing the appeal of non-interest-bearing gold. US gold futures settled 0.68% lower at $2,057 an ounce. Analysts at Capital Economics forecast a banner year for US stocks, finishing 2024 over 10% up from current levels at 5500 Optimism over the business potential of artificial intelligence, which helped power stocks such as NVIDIA last week, would likely drive those giants, they said. However, sustained above-trend growth poses another issue, fears of an inflationary rebound. And the longer period of high interest rates could also increase stress for areas of the economy that are already hurting, such as commercial real estate, which is, of course, where we came into this discussion in the first place. Now, over in Europe, European shares were little changed on Friday as gains from upbeat corporate earnings offset hot and expected US jobs data that quashed hopes of the imminent rate cut by the US Federal Reserve. The pan-European stocks descended was flat on the day, but hovered near two-week highs earlier in the week. The German DAX 40 hit a record high during the session and closed up 0.35% at 16,918. The CAC 40 was at 7,592 and the FTSE in London was all but flat at 7,615. Dank's bank was actually the best performer on the European benchmark index, jumping 8.1% after the Danish lender reported fourth quarter results and announced a share buyback programme. French steel shoes maker Valorac climbed 3.1% after it said it expected 2023 results to exceed its prior outlook. Mercedes-Benz shares were among the top performers on the DAX, up 2% after reporting preliminary annual free cash flow for its industrial business above market expectations. Now, the fact that policymakers are pushing back the timing of rate cuts has tempered sentiment, with money markets pricing in cuts of around 135 basis points by the ECP this year, down from around 150 basis points 
earlier this week. And in the UK, the Bank of England chief economist Hugh Pill said that the first interest rate reduction was still some way off, despite signals that borrowing costs have probably peaked. Addressing the central bank's regional agents after the deeply split vote to maintain the key rate at 5.25%, Pill said policy needed to remain restrictive until the consistent component of inflation had been squeezed out of the system. The remarks tempered expectations of a rapid series of rate cuts this year. Investors dropped bets for a full percentage point of reductions by December after Pill's remarks, and they also were reacting to data from the US showing that American economy is generating many more jobs than expected. While the Bank of England forecasts on Thursday indicated that lowering borrowing costs will soon be necessary to keep the economy out of recession, Pill said those projections were conditional on inflation evolving the way officials expect. The Bank of England's forecast, released alongside the vote, actually showed that there was a significant risk in holding rates at 5.25% for too long, using the assumption that rates do not change, actually the UK would fall into a recession that lasts around 18 months. The Monetary Policy Committee's pivot from warning of further rate rises to acknowledging lower rates are on the cards reflected signs of that underlying inflation is indeed falling, Pill said, but he wanted more proof that inflation will remain suppressed before they cut. A few weeks ago, traders were betting that rates would drop to 4% by December, but markets had fully expected the first cut in June, but now thinks it's touch and go. In Asia, most Asian stocks rose on Friday with technology-heavy indices leading gains after strength in the US counterparts. Weakness, though, in China persisted with the Shanghai Shenzhen CSI 300 and the Shanghai Composite both lagging their peers following underwhelming purchasing manager index data that was released earlier in the week. The two indices were also close to five and four year lows. The purchasing managers index from Kaisen rose 50.8 in January, as expected, keeping its pace of growth steady from the prior month. A reading above 50 indicates growth, with the PMI now remaining in expansion for a third straight month. The KSN survey contrasted, though, with government data that was released on Wednesday that showed that Chinese manufacturing activity remained in contraction in January. But the KSN survey differs from the official reading in its scope of businesses surveyed. While it focuses more on smaller private enterprises, the bigger state-run enterprises, which are covered by the official survey, produces different results. Investors use both surveys to get a clearer picture of the Chinese economy. China's economy actually barely edged up past the 5% annual growth target for 2023 and is expected to see limited improvement in growth over the coming months. And Beijing has also remained largely conservative in rolling out more support. While the government has consistently unlocked more monetary stimulus to boost spending, it has so far provided limited support to the economy producing calls for more targeted fiscal measures. And then, of course, we have the property crisis, emphasised by the Hong Kong court order on Monday that Evergrande should be liquidated, a process expected to take years and to include consideration of some kind of restructuring for the more than 300 billion US dollars of liabilities. Evergrande has said it will continue to work on finishing projects despite the order. And China has said that the completion of unfinished homes is a policy priority. 
put one project, for example, in Shenzhen, an industrial city of about 11 million people shows the scale and difficulty of working through the overhang of unfinished construction left by Evergrande and just how much its downfall has damaged confidence. There is a fence displaying the slogan, happy every day, but it hides an unfinished apartment complex, a daily reminder of the unresolved costs of the collapse of China's once largest developer. Construction on the Central Plaza project that promised buyers about 1,800 new homes stalled in 2021 after China Evergrande Group defaulted. A government notice on the site says the project is seeking a new developer. And buyers who paid in full years ago have been stuck watching and waiting for a lifeline. We seem to have no way of resolving this issue, said one resident who bought two still unfinished units for more than $350,000. This has made me lose faith in the Housing Authority's management capabilities, as well as real estate, the home buyer told Reuters. State-owned developers and local governments have taken over some stalled projects after a government-run guarantee home delivery policy in recent months, according to official announcements and media reports. But China has not disclosed how much funding has been provided to complete stranded developers or the number of projects authorised to have been taken on. And China's housing ministry said in August that more than 1.65 million pre-sold units had been delivered under the programme. Positive news from tech spilled over into the tech-heavy Asian indices, with South Korea's Cosby up 2.2%, and also taking support from a soft and expected consumer price index reading for January. Hong Kong's Hang Seng jumped 1.3%, defying weakness in the mainland Chinese stocks on strength of its tech majors. Video game stocks, particularly heavyweight Tencent holdings, rallied over 4% after the government approved 32 imported online games, several of which will be operated by Tencent. Japan's Nikkei 225 index added 0.2% on strength in the tech sector, but bigger gains were held back by losses in major bank stocks, which were fueled by a mix of profit-taking and fears of exposure to US property market headwinds. The Topics Bank's index sank 0.5% and Azora Bank led losses on the index for a second straight session. The stock slipped 15.1% on Friday after it flagged an unexpected outsized annual loss due to increasing provisions for bad loans tied to US commercial property. Losses in Azura spilled over into the broader Japanese banks as investors feared potential contagion and similar headwinds for other lenders with US exposure. The bank said the loss was driven chiefly by high US interest rates denting its securities portfolio, while its portfolio of US office loans was hit by a shift to remote working during the COVID-19 pandemic. And heavyweight Numura Holdings fell 1.4% from a near nine-year high. The financial giant saw stellar gains earlier this week after it clocked a record quarterly revenue from its investment banking division and said it would buy back up to 4% of its shares. Now in Australia, the Australian share market set another record on Friday for the second time this week, fueled by a rally in interest rate-sensitive technology and real estate stocks as investors step up their rate cut bets ahead of the RBA on Tuesday. 
Australia's ASX 200 jumped 1.47% to a record high of 7,699, buoyed chiefly by technology and gold. The producer price index, by the way, showed that inflation data for the fourth quarter grew less than expected, raising hopes for easing inflation in the country. The market advanced 1.9% for the week. Investors are optimistic over a soft landing in the US. In a way, our market is playing a little bit of catch-up for the months of gains in the US, said David Bassany, the chief economist at BetaShares. The macro backdrop in Australia is also good. We're getting a soft landing. As post the December quarter inflation print, the bond market is more confidently pricing in rate cuts this year. Well, we'll see what the RBA says about that. The financial sector, including four big banks, added 1.3% as investors shrugged off the crash in Japanese Bank Azura and US Bank New York Community Bank on worries over their bad debt exposures to US commercial property. The Australian banks don't have that exposure, said Sean Sequeri, Chief Investment Officer Australian Eagle Asset Management. Australia's commercial real estate has held up relatively well compared to the US, where some of the buildings are down 30 to 40% in terms of valuation. The best performer on the share market was the real estate sector. They jumped 3.3%. And Goodman Group was up 6.2% at 26.98, adding 9.1 points to the benchmark index. Only the 1.4% rise in Commonwealth Bank to 115.67 per share contributed more to the indices advanced to a record. And Macquarie was also up 1.67% to 191.31. Paladin soared on a new uranium price rally. The spot price neared 16 years highs at 106.25 US dollars per pound as Kaza giant Kazatomprom repeated its warning about production challenges in 2024. Markets are starting to talk about a uranium deficit in coming years. That should drive some more investment into some of those mines, said Mr. Sequoia. Pinnacle, the asset manager, jumped 8.6% after it revealed affiliates fund under management topped $100 billion in December and reported a flat half-year profit. As major lithium producers continue to cut forecasts and curtail production, analysts said investors should be bracing for more volatility ahead as the still nascent industry emerges from a violent price cycle. Earlier this week, lithium producer IGO said production from its joint-owned Greenbushes mine in Western Australia was likely to fall, and days later, two of China's biggest lithium companies warned of shrinking profits and asset write-downs. The Greenbush mine is owned jointly by IGO, China's Tingkui and Albemarle. The developments follow a sustained meltdown in lithium prices, which by some estimates have fallen by as much as 90% since rallying to record highs last year. The downturn in the battery metal, driven by rising global stockpiles and an oversupply of production, has been worsened by waning electric vehicle sales from key markets like China. Earlier this month, Core Lithium halted mining at its Northern Territory operation and shares have plunged almost 30% since the announcement. Finally, in crypto, Ethereum has wiped out the gains that it has accumulated over quite a sustained period. The price chart depicts a grim narrative as the digital asset has swiftly descended from its peak, retracing back to levels that question the sustainability of its price growth. The steep decline in Ethereum's price 
is a significant bearish signal. It reflects the market's hesitancy to invest at previous highs, most likely due to the underperformance Ethereum has shown in recent past. The lack of traction and the inability to initiate a recovery does underscore the vulnerability of Ethereum's price in the current market climate. Bitcoin retained its 43,000 level, though the 43 to 46,000 price levels do stand out as notable barriers that Bitcoin would need to breach to cement a robust recovery narrative. And achieving such milestones might sway market sentiment positively, but that, of course, is very unpredictable and uncertain in the current environment. So standing back, as I say, things look pretty wobbly, with data swashing all over the place. And the problem about this, of course, is it's hard to get a good read. Markets are perhaps now backing away from rate cuts soon. Markets are probably overvalued because they're driven considerably by what's happening in tech, particularly AI. But the commercial real estate story is one that's worth dwelling on a little more. We are going to see considerable pressure, which could flow back into the banking system. And at the moment, the, pass, the parcel is back in play. Nobody knows where those losses are sitting at the moment, but they will emerge over time. And if they do, and if rates don't get cut, then the markets are definitely overvalued because it's clear to me that the sorts of returns that a small number of the Magnificent Seven are reporting are probably not going to be repeated more broadly. Markets are way overvalued, therefore, and will need to correct. I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching, and I'll see you again next time.